Welcome to the Dog Liaison Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. On this podcast, we focus on giving guardians of anxious dogs a home. If your dog has reactivity, aggression, separation anxiety, or generalized anxiety, then this podcast is what you have been looking for. We are going to go deep into understanding your dog's anxiety-related disorders. We're also going deep into what it is like to be the guardian of an anxious dog so that you have a sanctuary and a guide to help you to be able to sustain your dog's recovery. I'm a professional dog trainer. At this point, I work exclusively with dogs facing anxiety-related disorders, and I really understand on a deep level how to support you and your anxious dog. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hey guys, I'm so excited. We're talking about why your dog training is only working in certain contexts. So why is your dog only working, you know, doing the techniques or doing the skills in some locations, but not all locations? Why can you get your dog to listen in the dog training class, but not necessarily when you start to generalize that skill in other places? This is something that I hear a lot where they, the dogs are performing and doing really well in certain contexts and you're like, yeah, got it. But then you take them out into the universe and everything falls apart. So that's what we're going to talk about why that's going on. I think a lot of times we really just want to point to one thing or more often than not, I hear dog trainers will say things like, you just got to keep practicing. And it's just a matter of generalization. You just got to keep practicing that skill in that other location I mean, I really think practicing and just practicing is a little overrated. (laughs) I think if it was as easy as you just got to keep practicing, people wouldn't run into the hiccups that they run into. So I think that, um, you know, just keep practicing is not really the excuse we want to hear. Instead, we really want to look at the big picture. We want to look at all of the factors, why your dog perhaps isn't able to do a skill in a certain environment, but they are able to do it in a different, in a different environment with different conditions. And it's not just one thing. There's a collection of things that I want to go through. I think they all work cohesively together. And no, this is not going to be as simple as just make one little tweak and your dog will all of a sudden start doing the training skill or do that, whatever you want in every environment you encounter under any conditions. It's not that easy. Um, One thing I will preface it with is that there are some breeds and some individuals that are more prone to be able to generalize their information and more prone to be able to see the patterns of reoccurring in different environments. And so one of the reasons why it's easy for us to say like, oh, some dogs are just more trainable and some dogs are just easier. And, you know, we kind of label these breeds as more likely to listen it's less about their ability to listen and less about their ability to um, be trainable and more so that it is that they pick up on patterns really well and they're able to cross-reference. They're able to see like, oh, I recognize that. That seems similar to this. And their ability to generalize just becomes more, it's more uh, inherently easy for them. All that said, this is still a learning skill and I want to give you guys some things to consider. So The thing that I think is most often the problem is that our guardians are not aware of the nitty gritty criteria or the nitty gritty difficulty that is making the difference. And they're actually more specifically not aware of how 
doing that one little tweak has actually increased the difficulty on their dog exponentially. So the example I want to use today is we were just working with this um, with one of the Rover teams, Keith, and we were actually implementing Playway. And we were experimenting to ask Keith what he perceived as more challenging. And we were doing a couple of different gestures. And at the end of it, what we had con concluded was that for Keith, increasing mom's tone and making that kind of high-pitched squeal was significantly high, harder of a challenge. It was significantly more difficult for Keith than if she just kind of started making faster movements. And the speed of the movement was actually more appealing to him. It was easier for him to adapt to. It was easy. It was more comforting overall. Now, the thing is, people would sometimes underestimate and just say, well, I just started talking to him. I didn't really do anything different. But for this particular dog, starting to talk to him and starting to make that high-pitched voice was very much more challenging. It was exponentially worse. So we need to be aware of how are we increasing the difficulty on a minute scale, and more specifically, how does the dog perceive the difficulty? Is the dog perceiving that this is more challenging, significantly more challenging, even though it's as simple as, you know, you change the time of day, or, you know, there's now a bird in the environment, and there wasn't a bird in the environment before. So we don't want to undermine these very minute, subtle changes that for the dog are exponentially different, right? And probably more challenging. So that's number one. That's the number one reason why I see dogs are not able to perform a skill or technique or whatever you want to call it in one environment, but are able to do it in another. They're not, you're not aware of how adjusting your uh, criteria of the environment has increased the difficulty. Uh, the second reason that I see is that the technique that you're using, while it's probably a very great technique, but the technique that you're using in location A either is not systematic enough to apply in location B, or maybe it is systematic enough to apply in a different location, but you don't know how to generalize it. And so we're sitting here talking about the dog and how dog needs to generalize the skill and dog needs to be able to do this. But at the root of it, it's that you're unaware or you don't have the skills you need to be able to generalize the technique in and of itself before you can even worry about your dog. Now, for me, this comes down to a couple of reasons. I think the reason guardians are not able to generalize the technique happens first and foremost because they have a superficial understanding of what the technique is and how it functions. They have a superficial understanding of the technique and how it functions. This is the problem with the I teach you how to do it mentality. We go on YouTube, we learn how to do something, and then it stops. We don't understand why we are doing it. We don't take the time to understand when it's applicable. We don't understand it on a deep level. And so we really only understand it in one controlled situation. But we're not actually getting to the root of the behavior, the root of the skill, the root of the technique. We're not understanding it on a deep, you know, more um, holistic understanding of it. And so when it comes time to apply that skill in a different environment, in a different context, in subtly different circumstances, it all goes out the window because we have a superficial understanding of where it was in the beginning.
So for me personally, I think this comes down to the relationship you want with your coach and how effective your coach is, because it's my belief that if you want to be able to generalize a skill and have it systematic and have it repeatable and be able to implement it in different bunch of different criteria with your dog, then you need to have an understanding of the technique past just what are the steps past just, you know, you're going to do that and then you're going to do that and then you do that. But are you having deep conversations with your coach about it and understanding, can you recite it? Can you teach it to someone that in my opinion is also one of the great marks of how educated you are in a technique. If it came time for you to teach it to your friend who can't afford to bring on a dog training coach, do you feel confident enough and be able to communicate it? Because the truth of the matter is that a good technique is going to be systematic. It is going to be repeatable. We like repeatable systematic routines. We like that. That is good. We don't like individualizing every little thing for every little context, for every little dog, for every little situation that you encounter. That is not going to be good. I mean, can you imagine if we just like all started individualizing every bit about our life and we were not going off of, you know, informed data-driven decisions? This episode is brought to you by my signature coaching program, the Recovering Rover Program for Anxious Dogs. One dog, one million phobias. Reactivity, noise sensitivity, separation anxiety, generalized anxiety, and the list goes on and on. If your dog has multiple anxiety-related disorders, then you know the awful stress of feeling trapped in your own home. Having a dog with anxiety does not mean sacrificing your own mental health. The RRP is the most comprehensive program that coaches guardians on how to treat their dog's anxiety. This is a six month group coaching program dedicated to making you an expert in desensitizing your dog's triggers and making your dog feel more calm and comfortable in the world. For all the info on the Recovering Rover program and to see whether you and your dog are a good fit, go to getacalmdog.com backslash RRP to learn more. And now, back to the episode. When you get into a car, your friend has you drive a car because they, whatever they need you. We understand that there are like systematic processes. There may be little tweaks about the car that you're going to have to figure out on the road, right? You might drive it a little bit safer than you usually would because it's not the car that you drive, but you understand fundamentally the steps of driving the car. You, you could do it if you needed to, because it's formulaic. That is how dog training should be. It's okay for formulas to exist in dog training. Anyone who tells you, oh, there's no special formula, doesn't understand how science works. Because science is predicated off of the idea of routinely implementing something to solidify it and verify that it actually is credible. Because if it's not repeatable, if it can't apply to a bunch of different conditions, then it's probably not as solid as we're giving it credit for. It's probably not as credible as we're giving it credit for. So when you're talking about a technique, it should be generalized. It should be able to be repeatable. And you should have a deeper understanding of how to apply it than just what are the steps. Okay. 
So I hope that this gives you an idea of what you need to do before you can ask your dog to start generalizing. But let's transition into when it is time for your dog to actually start generalizing. Let's say you do have a deep fundamental understanding of a technique. You're like, Jenna, I know how to make the little tweaks for this criteria. I know what difficulty is going to increase. And I have, I'm with you so far, Jenna, I've done this. Now it's time for my dog to start generalizing. And how do I do that? Well, my friend, I really, really, really encourage you to start generalizing in environments and in conditions that are as normal and realistic as possible. As normal and as realistic as possible. I really don't understand the, you know, let's start training your dog in this environment that you'll never go to ever again mentality. I really don't understand setting up faux training sessions in environments that are not at least similar to realistic environments you'll be in. I'm all for making an environment easier, right? If your goal is to start training at a busy park, maybe you don't go to the busy park right away. Maybe you go to the emptier park, all for that. But why, why are we starting training at, you know, the cafe on a Tuesday in the middle of work week when you work from home and you're probably not going to ever take your dog to the cafe anyway, if that's your lifestyle. Just so you can say that your dog does a stay at the cafe, that's why you, that's why you want to do it. Just so you can say like, oh, my dog did a 20 minute stay. Like that's what's cool. I don't get that mentality. If you can't draw a direct line from what you're doing right now to how it fits into your long-term goals, if you can't see the correlation and you've looked, but it's not there, probably you should change what you're currently doing because what you're doing right now should be setting up your routine for your long-term results and for your long-term lifestyle. I was having a conversation with Amy uh, from Team Deja in their RRP, and they're about to graduate. They graduate the RRP at the end of this month, right? And she was telling me, she goes, it's so funny because like, I'm starting to realize that there are little things about my lifestyle that like maybe other people would want trained. But like for me, I just like don't need that trained. Like we can just have it management. And for so long, for so many months, Mom was thinking like, oh, I got to desensitize the knock. I got to make sure that, you know, she's accustomed to X, Y, Z sound. And now that she's graduating, she's like, I think I'd rather just put a sign on the door asking people not to knock. Like, and it's not that, it's not that she can't train to desensitize the knock. It's that she just doesn't really want to. Like, why? Why are we so you know, setting up things that don't really need to be part of our lives when management is sufficient. You know, I just, I I really get frustrated when I see formulas and, you know, uh, standards in dog training culture that are pushing you to create something that is not really the relationship and the lifestyle that you're going to have two years from now. 
And then they go on TikTok and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing my clients from two years ago when they're not doing anything that I told them to do. And their life is just chaotic. And blah, 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 blah. It's like, whose fault is that? Is that actually the guardian's fault? I hear, there's a reason I'm not on TikTok, guys. It's because I get stressed watching TikToks and talk during your talk. It, it, it gives me agony because all they do is go on there and they're like, nobody's doing anything I say. And I am the world's greatest dog trainer. And I've told them how to live their life with their structured walks and their dogs at their perfect heel. And now two years later, the dogs are not doing that. And they're just awful dog guardians. And da, 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 da. And in reality, it's like, maybe they didn't need the structured walk to begin with. Maybe that's not the relationship they wanted with their dog to begin with. I'm just thinking out loud here. You know? You know, what's funny to me is I think I've told you guys this before for the longest time. I didn't want to have loose leash walking lesson in the RP because I was like, it doesn't, I don't really need to have it, but I added it because persistently the clients were asking for it. It was something that they wanted. I was like, okay, cool. I just, it's there. You guys want it. It's there. But ironically, like it never fails. It's one of the last things they get to. And sometimes they never even get to it because they're like, I just don't really need this anymore. Like they, it's more that they need the loose leash walking lesson in the, in the curriculum for peace of mind, but then they get to a certain like education in their dog and education in training. And they're like, actually, I don't need to teach my dog the loose leash walking formula. Hmm. Go figure. And they just, it just sits there. The curriculum just sits there and they never use it. And it's like, it's fine. You know, it's cool. We just had a loose leash walking workshop in the RP on Monday nobody showed up to that one. And by the way, like we consistently have sh show up rates on our coaching calls. Like it's, it, you know, like consistently have our clients show up on Monday's call. There were only three people. Why? Cause the topic was loose leash walking. Why? Cause no one needs loose leash walking when they have an anxious dog. <laughs> like it's just, there's level of education that comes with being able to train realistically, understanding realistic goals not putting our dogs in situations that really they don't need to be in. And they're probably not going to encounter in their lifetime. You know what I'm saying? So just to recap today's lesson, I want to kind of like recap what we've gone over. Why your dog training, why your dog's not training the same way. They're not either implementing the technique in the same way. Maybe they're not doing a skill in, at all in certain environments or any other environments other than the ones that you initiated the training in. Number one, you probably are aware of how in you know, changing a little bit, bit of the environment has significantly increased the difficulty. You know, maybe you just slightly changed the environment. You just added in a couple of factors, but those factors were significantly more difficult for your respective dog. Okay. That's the number one. Number two, you don't have a repeatable systematic technique that you are generalizing. So before you can even worry about your dog generalizing the skill, is it systematic enough? And you have a deep understanding of it enough for you to be able to generalize it in other environments. That's number two. Number three, when it's time for your dog to generalize it, is it in a realistic condition that makes sense for the sustainability of your life? When it comes time for you to generalize, are you training 
realistically, practically in environments that make sense. All right, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in. Happy training. Make sure to give your dogs extra lovins, extra treats just for the hell of it. And I'll see you guys very soon. Bye friends. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dog Liaison Podcast. Support for this episode came from the Recovering Rover Program. Go to getacomdog.com to learn how you can treat your dog's anxiety. And you can support this podcast by leaving a review and sharing. I appreciate your continued support, and I'll see you in the next episode.